Mr. Iyengar said to us once that yoga is when every cell of the body sings the song of the soul, which is really nice. But what I see as a molecular biologist was that every cell has its own consciousness. And what we experience as our individual consciousness is that it's actually a group, com group consciousness. It's, it's like a swarm of bees or a swarm of birds or a school of fish, all working together as one. And so perfect health in our own bodies is when every cell of our body treats every other cell of the body the same way a mother treats a child who she knows she's connected with. Hello and how are you today? And welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Finding Equilibrium show. And today my guest is Simon Borg Olivia. And I'm really delighted that you've made some time uh, to, uh, to, spe to speak with us today. So how are you, Simon? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. It's my father's birthday, who I love very much. So I woke up feeling very happy, dreaming about my parents, and my family, and my upbringing. And it's my honour and privilege and pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you very much for inviting me. No, it's 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 my it's my pleasure, and I haven't introduced you properly, but it feels like you've got you've you've done so many amazing things, and and now I know you're an exercise-based um, physiotherapist, you're a lecturer, you're a researcher, microbiologist. I mean, so many so many uh, things. But for people who aren't familiar with your work, um, I'd love you to introduce yourself and, um, and and tell us a little bit about your journey, how you came to doing what you're doing today. Oh, okay, well, very, a quick history of myself that might be pertinent, perhaps. Look, I was born in Malta, the Mediterranean Sea, and my father was in the British Army, and he was a freediver. And uh, he, uh, he was the one first introducing me to posture, movement, breathing, mental control, which is my passion all my life. And he taught me how to swim underwater and how to hold my breath. And uh, this was a really amazing introduction to me because connecting with your breath and especially not breathing opposite of what most people think is it's all about learning how to breathe actually fit people don't breathe and they do a lot of things and so he taught me that and uh, soon after that time I was traveling to Australia when I was eight years old and I met an amazing man called Basil Brown who was a Rhodesian at the time Olympic athlete and he taught me what essentially I didn't know at the time but they were Indian yogic kriyas, special cleansing uh, techniques where you can actually manipulate your internal organs, you know, move your intestines in an incredible way. And technically they're known as Valsalva maneuvers and Mueller maneuvers used in cardiac surgery and very, very powerful ways of changing blood flow within the body, changing pressures within the body and affecting your physiology and your anatomy in a very positive way if you know what to do. He taught me that when I was eight. Wow. And then when I was, oh. it, was it was fun, you know. Mm. Um, <clears throat> when I was in my mid-teens, I was uh, uh, shown pictures of Indian yogis. And I was told that this picture was of a man who was doing meditation, he was doing yoga. I thought yoga and meditation were the same thing. But what I saw was a picture of this man dressed just in a dhoti, no shirt, no pants basically, and sitting naked in the snow. And someone said, this man is meditating, he is doing yoga. And I went, wow, that looks pretty difficult, you know, to be naked in the snow and still be warm. Yeah. And you know, at the time I also was working at, at, you know, at school doing uh, human biology and they said to me, they said that uh, the new human nervous system consists of two parts, the uh, somatic nervous system called the conscious nervous system, 
which you control with your conscious mind. And then the autonomic nervous system, also called automatic nervous system, and it's, you know, which you cannot control with your conscious mind. And then in brackets, it said, except for Indian yogis who can control the unconscious. And I went, wow, these people control that. So I remember the picture of the guy naked in the snow, able to regulate his blood flow. I thought, wow, that's amazing. And not so long after that, about the time I finished school, 17, I, I remember I just got my license and I was driving. I met a Tibetan Lama and it was in, in Manly in Sydney. He'd left Tibet, you know, been there for 20 years, came to live in, in Sydney. And he took me on board as a student for a couple of years. And I learned some amazing things off him. Uh, you know, the beginnings of Tantra and the understanding of what, what I realized was real yoga and meditation. Soon after that, I actually went to a, my first yoga class and it was not what I expected. It was a bunch of people doing strange postures and I, you know, I'm in a funny twist and I'm going, what's this? This doesn't feel like I could sit naked in the snow. It didn't feel right. <laughs> then I heard a whole bunch of people, you know, were doing lots of meditation. And I heard so many people in the early 80s doing meditation. I'm going, wow, how can so many people have learned this thing, which I think is so difficult? Because, you know, how do you become naked in the snow? And then I realized they're not really meditating. They're just concentrating. They're just observing their thoughts. And mostly they were just sitting often in an uncomfortable position, getting numb in their legs or sore in their back or sore in their knees in a very cold room. They'd cover themselves with blankets. And if it was not very exciting, they'd get bored and often stop. I thought this is not meditation. This is just sitting in a cold, boring environment, getting cold and bored. And many people stop because of that region. Some people do it because they think <laughs> suffering is good for you. And I thought something's missing here. Something's missing. So then I began uh, an embargation of Japanese yoga, which was linked to Indian yoga. Then I uh, did a teacher training course in the early 80s. And I, I was asked to teach. I didn't do the teacher training course to actually teach yoga. I did it because my friends were doing it and it was fun. Three hours a day with these Japanese guys who were a Japanese policeman in particular, who would have us doing the most outrageous things like running up and down Hyde Park, hugging the trees, and then you know diving into the pool at uh, just near the circular key and swimming underwater. And so I thought this was great. Oh, cool. Playing lots of games and things. But we did yoga every day. We did shiatsu and massage. And then right after that, I met up with Shandor Rebate, who was an amazing teacher of mine, who was a, uh, a special services person in, in Vietnam. And he became an amazing yoga teacher. And he mentored me for the next 20 years. And he sent me to India. And then in India, in beginning of 1986, I went to study with who's a man who's a legend really bks Iyengar, and i went for the next 13 years i went you know every couple of years to study with bks Iyengar, and at the time i also traveled to to mysore and i learned with k patabi joyce who was the ashtanga vinyasa yoga teacher and then i also met uh, sri deshika Chah, who was the the son of krishnamacharya and those three men were all students of this man krishnamacharya who was probably the person who brought indian yoga to the west in many ways, to his three key teachers. Wow. And so I learned a lot about this. And after teaching for 10 years, uh, studying at university, I was doing a degree in molecular biology and genetic engineering and stuff like this. And I finished learning about human biology in my first degree. And I was teaching yoga at the same time and thinking, this is great. I feel amazing. I loved India and what it taught me, but something was missing. I noticed that not all my students got better after my classes. Not every injury I had got healed. I had a, a number of injuries. But still, it was good, but it wasn't perfect. 
So I thought maybe I need to study more. And I loved university and I loved research. So I went back in my early 30s and the early 90s to do a degree in physiotherapy, exercise-based physiotherapy. Right. And then I really learned how to make a bridge between my Eastern mysticism and understanding from you know, Asian traditional cultures and also with um, modern Western science. At the time also, I was living in my early university years in Redfern in Everly Street at the time it was the Aboriginal housing estate. So I had the privilege and pleasure of, of working with a lot of indigenous people. And they right. told me a lot of amazing things, which I really resonate with. And this idea of indigenous understanding from indigenous from all over the world. And the idea that we're living in a holistic environment, that everything is connected as one, as opposed to this reductionist world of Western science, which I was learning in my three university degree, degrees, I was trying to go, look, both these people seem sensible, both these groups seem sensible. What is a way that I can reconcile mm. the East and the West or the traditional ideas and the modern scientific ideas? And this became then my quest. And so then after my uh, university degree for physiotherapy, I tried to merge things and at first it was a bit shaky and I started to work a little bit too much scientific and I lost a bit of the yoga. And then I continued to learn and I got a couple of Chinese teachers, one of whom I still work with today, Zhenhua Yang, who is um, an amazing man. And before that, I worked with William Chung for a little bit, who was the, um, the, the senior student when Bruce Lee was the junior student of Yip Man. And these were amazing people to work with. And Master Yang, who I still work with, is just a phenomenal human being. And his grandfather is the last of the lineage of the bodyguards of the Emperor of China. So I feel totally blessed to have met incredible teachers from all over the traditional world. And I've been really gifted. I just thank them so much for what they've given me going right back to my father and whose birthday it is today. I'm very happy to say that. And also this um, wonderful teachers I've had from universities like Sydney University, which I studied three degrees at. But in the last 10 years, I've had a, a lecturing position at RMIT University, where I teach things such as uh, applied Eastern anatomy and physiology. And even I teach uh, a subject for uh, the Master of Wellness degree that just recently finished there, but it was a special degree which had subjects in it like positive psychology, energy medicine, and the fundamentals of yoga, which I was, I was teaching as part of this degree course, it became a very popular course for undergraduates to do. And so I've taught at that university, many other universities around the world, including in India at some point. And I've been really blessed to meet these amazing Western scientists who I really thank and have so much appreciation for. And so with all of this wonderful gifting of wisdom I've been given, I'm trying to merge it in my own way, in my own idiosyncratic <laughs> way, to try and share this with the world. The idea of using things like posture, movement, breathing, mental control, to really connect our modern, very unnatural bodies with what we used to have as children, the natural bodies of children, to perhaps begin to restore the possibility of what all people possibly have, which is this possibility of recognizing we're all connected as one, all living in an ocean of love, all connected like a mother is with a child and recognizing that we as normal people could become back to natural people with the potential of becoming eventually supernatural people. Wow. That's what I'd like to do. 
which is a wonderful thank you for sharing that journey it's so fascinating how many i guess chapters there have been um, in terms of uh, the, the the western study and microbiology and uh, physiotherapy and then been to india china um, tibet so you've had so many influences and you can see how now you're trying to bring those together and your uh, i guess your philosophy or vision of the east and the west working together um, feels feels like the right thing do you think that's possible like in your journey when you talk to because it is quite interesting the holistic and um, we are all connected we're all one uh, mindset versus the reductionist let's kind of drill right down like microbiologist and let's understand it at the, uh, mm. the tiniest level where you can't see the bigger picture you know one's kind of stepping back and seeing <laughs> seeing a bigger picture the other is going to get in really deep and they and they lose the perspective I'd love your views on how these two um, different philosophies can collaborate, you know, because I agree that if they could, if modern science and ancient wisdom could really collaborate and communicate, then you know, magic could happen in the world. Yes, I think definitely magic could happen. I think Lawrence, it's happening already. And when I was in my teens, there was a book published by Fritzhoff Kapra called The Tao of Physics. Right. And I got it, you know, in my teens, but I really resonated with it and read it in my early 20s. And this wonderful book is one of the first of many books written similar in a similar vein, which had three sections. The first section was about modern physics, like hypermodern physics, post-Newton, post-Einstein, and what's going on in that world, and then and really explaining it. And then the second part of the book is about traditional uh, mysticism and the philosophies of India, China, Tibet, traditional cultures all over the world. Mm. And then the third section was about the similarities, the right. fusion between them. But And really, when you recognize what modern physics is saying, many modern physicists have become like mystics of the modern age because they recognize that really everything is connected beyond the speed of light. Everything mm -hmm. is connected at a distance. There is too many things going on uh, in, in the real world of physics to not appreciate the ultimate truth that we are all connected, everything is connected, and the ultimate connecting force is consciousness. Mm -hmm. And what they say in India, of course, is that this is Maya, this is an illusion, that everything is just a manifestation of our consciousness. And the fact that modern physics says this, says a lot, because physics at the root is the base of chemistry, Chemistry is the root of biochemistry. Biochemistry is the root of biology, which is the root of medicine. And medicine is at the root of probably all the politics in the world today and all the social interaction and the psychology and everything else that goes with it. You know, I mm. skipped a few steps. Yes. But really, if they could just listen to each other and go right back to what modern, modern physics says and what traditional wisdom says, the, the junction is already there modern science and traditional wisdom are saying the same thing at their base right and and are there courses and programs that do combine uh, those two and, and i think what you're doing what you're developing your programs are, are trying to to build that bridge between that uh, that modern world because you can see the um the value that both bring like there, there, there's enormous yes. value in, yes, um, yes. in modern science you know we know and um, stuff that we've yes. never known it wouldn't have that and yes. ancient wisdom it feels like in our um and this is my perspective but it feels that in our um 
I guess, journey to becoming more sophisticated, we've lost and left, left behind things that the, um, the indigenous people knew and, and it worked, but we've um, ignored some of those bits and we need to go back and uh, remind ourselves of what we already knew as a, as a collective. Yes, well, look, courses like this include the one that has just finished being run at RMIT University called the Masters of Wellness, which has been designed by a very great man. His name is Professor Mark Cohen, who's like four doctors in one. He's a professor. He's an incredible genius. And I recommend people to go to Dr. Mark Cohen's, Professor Mark Cohen's website. And he organized some amazing things in this university course. And we're thinking of actually starting an extra, extra university course uh, like this he'll organize that soon and I'm, he said he'd like me to be part of that as for other places around the world i believe there are other places i'm not sure about universities but there are many people around the world trying to do the same thing that, that you and i try to do which mm. is to really recognize that there is this possibility for connection that science and traditional wisdom can work as one and that eventually we can get a much better result for our health happiness and longevity in this way well, it's amazing. So where are you based now? So bring us right up to date. So, so, the, um, the, so you're, clearly, uh, you're, you're, you're clearly based in Australia, although you have a, a, a British accent. Um, so you, you, I know you were born in Malta, but you spent some time in England in your early... Some time in England. My father was in the English army, so we travelled around Europe when I was growing up. I went to 12 schools by the time I was eight, I think, and we oh, wow. lived a lot in Germany and then you know, northern England and then you know, near London. And, but uh, I came here when I was eight. Okay. And I think after eight, you don't lose the accent, although I can speak an Australian accent if I want to a little bit more, you know. <laughs> but um, but I, uh, I live now in Byron Bay, which is an absolutely amazing place. It's the easternmost point in Australia, for those of you who haven't heard of it. But um, I live just in the hills. It's a beautiful place called Possum Creek. And many people may have heard of Possum Creek because it's the place where right next door to me, like 100 metres away, is the property which was up until recently belonging to Paul Hogan, which everyone around the world knows as Crocodile Dundee. And he was my next door neighbor up until about six years ago. And I love and respect this guy immensely for what he'd done for the world. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's where I live in wow. the hills of the Byron Bay Shire. So cool. It's such an amazing place. And, mm. and um, in terms of what, what you do and how you, how you bring your, your knowledge, your wisdom to, to life. So you mentioned physio, physio, training to be a, physio, a physiotherapist um, and yoga and Eastern wisdom and microbiology and all of those, uh, all of those different um, perspectives, trying to interwine those together. So where, 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 you know, where have you got to with that, uh, with that journey in terms of, um, in terms of, um, in terms of how you, how you teach yoga maybe in a different way or how you, uh, how you, um, did you practice as a traditional physiotherapist at any point? Yes, I've, I've worked in hospitals and worked a bit in private practice. And, but even when I was working in the hospitals or the private practice, to me, what I was imparting to people was not just physiotherapy. It was my total understanding as the person that I am, having had experience in uh, many different types of traditional massage, for example, before I started physiotherapy in shiatsu and Chinese massage and Chinese uh, acupressure and, and Swedish and in Indonesian massage and Indian therapy massage as well, but also the different exercise forms and especially exercise-based things, including yoga-based things. So it depends who I'm talking to. 
if I'm talking to someone who's very resonant with the idea of yoga and traditional mysticism and traditional ideas, I will say, I'm going to give you some good yoga exercises or some really good qigong that might really help you. But not everyone is in that mindset. Mm. So if someone is a little bit more reductionist in their approach and more mainstream Western thinking, I'll say, look, I'm an exercise-based physiotherapist. From my understanding as a molecular biologist and a physiotherapist and a physiologist, what you need is this. And if we give you some of these exercises, this will help restore your anatomy and your physiology to the state that you're at. So right. who am I talking to? But in the end, <laughs> in the end I, I teach the same thing. Same thing. Okay, it's interesting. So it's just around language. Language yes, yes. changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so interesting. And and do you run group classes and videos and things like that in terms of sharing your your work? How how do well, how, how do people uh, connect? Since since uh, the beginning of two thousand and twenty, I've been pretty much only doing uh, online stuff around the world. In the last few months, I have been teaching a couple of classes in the Byron Bay Shire again in a place called Body Heals in, in the Byron Bay Industrial Estate, which I really love doing again because I missed teaching live. I've been teaching on Zoom and everything else. Mm. Before that, I was traveling around the world with my partner, Jennifer, and we would go to maybe you know 10 or 12 des destinations in a year and teach month-long retreats right. where we would give people these intensive trainings for eight to 10 hours a day, four hours of, of physical practice in the morning and three hours in the afternoon, a couple of hours lectures in the, in the middle of the day. And, you know, we would get people getting into what effectively is the flow state or the zone, which I think is akin to the true meditative state where you're doing something which has five features, something which is sustainable, something which is engaging, something which is calming something which is effortless, yet at the same time, it is invigorating, gives you lots of energy and makes blood flow while the heart rate stays low, your breath rate is low, your nervous system is calm, you're, you know, oh. and it's just, it's this state which is like the athlete's zone, you know, where they're running for hours, but you can talk to an athlete who's running and they're not even breathing much. You know, whereas you and me running next to them would probably be panting. <laughs> it's funny because in the West, they say you should breathe more. You should get your heart rate up and actually go. Fit people run fast, hardly breathe at all, keep mm -hmm. their heart rate low. Sick people walk slowly going. <gasps> boom, 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 boom. It's the opposite of what people think. And so that's what I've been practicing and teaching around the world, how to get into the state. And so there's many different ways of doing it. And as you and I were discussing before, it's a very individual thing. But I'm trying to sort of develop a system where we can really uh, give something. It's easy to give something to an individual. Teaching one-on-one -on -one is a pleasure. It's a privilege. For, it's very effective. But it's not very effective in terms of how quickly you can spread information. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the passions I've had is to be able to have a system which I can give en masse. And one of the last things we did at the end of 2019, before everything shut down in the world in terms of travel, was Jennifer and I were invited to go to the Arava Desert in Israel, right next to the borders between many other countries and a lot of uh, conflict between a lot of uh, things going on. But we had a very beautiful group of people mixed together from all religions, all cultures, all countries, all coming together. And we taught at one point 1,000 people in the desert in one group. And it was this most magical thing. Wow. And, you know, the, the way I try to instruct is I give a few basic instructions which will make people's bodies enter a particular state with the minimal of instruction, ideally, verbally, and then give the rest of the instruction 
visually only. And often we'll turn on some music and just with some simple visual cues, I will oblige people to activate certain muscles and just tell them, relax, everything you don't need. And then what happens is this neurological thing. When one muscle turns on, the opposing muscle via a reflex has to turn off. Then you have one muscle which is active and compressed, which pushes blood away. And the opposite muscle lengthened and relaxed, which will pull blood towards it. And so what happens when you move in this active way, where you don't think too much, just move actively, move from your core, breathe from your core, think from your core, in, which is what I'm teaching, and then just relax your mind and relax your body, you get this really amazing feeling of being able to become strong while staying relaxed, become flexible without feeling strong stretch because the muscle is relaxing while it's lengthening as opposed to stimulating a stretch reflex, reflex which creates tension and stretch. And best of all is blood starts to flow without your heart racing because effectively you turn your whole body into one big pump, one big heart. And so this is what we did. The last time we did it on mass was to a thousand people in the Arava desert. And that was absolutely wonderful. Wow. What an amazing thing. You didn't realize that, you know, 2020 was about to change no. everything. So it's a good, it's good that you had, uh, you had that experience. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing. So for people who are listening to this and um, are not able to, to go on a month long retreat, which sounds awesome. I can't, I can't wait to, to for you to be able to do those again. Uh, but for people who are at home who are um you know working at their desk or dealing with a lot of day-to-day -day stress as many uh, as many people are now um are there simple things that people can do to um to get closer to that flow state to yes. make sure that their bodies are um being treated well and and uh, are supporting them i'd love you to share any um tips or, or resources that could help people yeah, yeah, look, there's lots of really simple things you can do. As a physiotherapist, one of the best axioms that we have as physiotherapists is exercise is optional, movement is essential. Like and so it's, it's really nice. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing is, what you've got to do is just move, but not do what many people think. And many people think, based on their impression from the press, from the media, from uh, what they think is correct, is they lock the core. People will, will draw their navel to their spine, engage their abdominal muscles, keep a neutral spine, keep their shoulders back and down, stand up straight, always walk like a robot. And what it does is it causes the spine to become very compressed. It causes the internal organs to become very locked. And it causes people's nervous system to enter a state of flight or fight, which means then their uh, organs of reproduction, digestion, and immunity all shut down, become very depressed, and their uh, emotions enter this state of flight or fight, which are fear, anger, aggression, lack of safety, lack of trust for themselves, for the people around them, not a healthy space to, place to be, and it's unnecessary. So there are simple ways which you can just move certain parts of the body, especially moving from your core, not locking your core, Breathing from your core, which the simplest way to do that is to just breathe naturally like you do when you're asleep and to think from your core, feel from your core, move from your core, act from your core. So I can explain this very simply. I, I have a, a very simple system online, which I can share with people. If anyone writes to me, I'm happy to send them some simple, simple exercises. I've got a little program I can send out to people. So it's for beginners, people who don't get off their desk or for people who do a little bit of exercise or for elite athletes. Okay. So I can give a share a bit for any of them and uh, you know, specifically for the level people want. 
and I'm happy to give this stuff away. If people go to my website at simonborgolivia.com, uh, just my name, .com, there's a whole bunch of free things they can download and just, you know, uh, I'm happy to send it to them. Or you can write to me directly, simon at simonborgolivia.com. I also have a lovely website with my wonderful business partner, Bianca Matchless, who is also an exercise-based physiotherapist who traveled many times to learn in India with me. She's probably the, the, the best female yoga teacher I've, I've ever met. You know, she's a genius. And her and I have a wonderful company we've had for the last 30 years called Yoga Synergy. So if people like yoga, then we have a very effective system, which we've developed with our understanding of Eastern and Western wisdom. And uh, that, that website is also available to get, you know, free classes. And, and uh, we have on both websites, many more complete online courses that people can join. And I'd be very welcome to have people join us. And we also, both those websites have um, membership sites where people can see classes each week. And on my website, on my simonborgolivia.com one, I answer questions to people every week. I have a two hour live session where hey, I answer wow. questions sometimes. It's fun you know, and share classes and stuff. So I'm happy to meet with people, write to me. I've got lots of free stuff, you know, it's fantastic. Well, wonderful. So what, one last question uh, from me. So as you look to the future, like with all of your rich experience and the knowledge that you have, which is very uh, deep and unique and, uh, the, you know, there can't be that many people who have immersed themselves in the, um, in the East and the West in the way that, that, that you have. So that gives you a, a vantage point, which is, um, you know, which is, which is interesting and allows you to engage with um, two different groups of people, like a, like a bridge. So you can connect with uh, scientists and you can connect with, um, um, with mystics and, uh, and people who are immersed in, uh, in, in indigenous uh, cultures. But what do you think could, I don't wanna, I don't wanna um, open a, a can of worms in asking this question, but as we, um, as we kind of evolve and change and everything's very, very, um, very fluid, what, what do you think individuals can do that could really help us to find equilibrium as a collective and um, because there's a lot of stress um, going uh, at the moment and some of that stress is coming from quite rigid uh, viewpoints um, and you know everyone's uh, entitled to to their to their views but how could um, ha in your in your experience what what could people do as individuals and as families to really create more equilibrium more harmony Wow. Well, it's a really good question. And thank you for your kind words. I, I don't think I'm that unique in terms of what I do, but I really appreciate what you said. It's, um, the, the, I think that if people are a little bit stuck in their ability to connect with themselves in the world, then just go right back to basic science. And basic science is, as a molecular biologist, as a microbiologist, as you said, what I used to do was take human cells and break them up into individual pieces, put them in a Petri dish and, and watch them. And what you see is that when you grow your cells in a dish, every cell acts like it's got a mind of its own. And this is what science tell us, that every cell of the body has a mind of its own. Every cell has its own consciousness. And this is special. Mr. Iyengar said to us once that yoga is when every cell of the body sings the song of the soul, which is really nice. But what I see as a molecular biologist was that Every cell has its own consciousness. And what we experience as our individual consciousness is that it's actually a group, group consciousness. 
it's, it's like a swarm of bees or a swarm of birds or a school mm -hmm. of fish all working together as one. And so perfect health in our own bodies is when every cell of our body treats every other cell of the body the same way a mother treats a child who she knows she's connected with. And so, you know, when you see this beautiful thing of a, I've been honored and blessed to help give birth to my two children and also give birth to many children in India as well. I used to work in a hospital in India. And it's the most amazing feeling of seeing a baby come out of a mother who suffers a lot to do this often, not always, but then you put the baby in the mother's arms and she just loves it so totally unconditionally. And she knows that this baby is not just a separate individual. She knows that baby is part of her. She knows the baby and her are one. And everyone's had a mother. Some people know them less, some people know them more, but everyone has to realize that a mother and child are always connected, but doesn't that mean we're connected to everyone else? Isn't it true that everyone is connected as one family? And so to really recognize that we're all connected as one family, that's the most important thing. But to really recognize it, you have to also act like you're connected. Mm. So maybe what we should all be doing is not just recognizing we're connected as one family in this world, not just doing what John Lennon said, imagine that there was no countries, no religions, no borders, what a world it would be, but the world would be so lovely living in peace. But, but we have to do this in a way where it feels real to us. And the only way people will start behaving like this to other people who they are connected to is to start embodying it within themselves and to recognize that our individual body is actually the sum of 50 trillion cells all trying to work as one. And so what we have to do, in my opinion, is to start making good energy and loving information circulate inside ourselves. And we do that by making healthy blood flow with a low heart rate and a dominance of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your calming rest rejuvenation response. And to do that, we have to engage in this exercises, these simple movements, which give you this flow, flow state. Simple things like rolling your shoulders while relaxing, which actually makes you that's very simple to do that. Move it, be gentle, relax. It's very, very simple exercises. You can do it at your desk. Move your fingers at the same time. Move your neck at the same time. And as you start doing this, blood starts to flow. And when you start to connect with yourself by creating the flow of healthy blood flow, good energy, and a calmness in your body, loving information, when you share good energy inside yourself, loving information inside yourself, and you start to make love to yourself, recognizing you must love yourself first, then you have a model for the world. Love yourself first, then share it with the world. Share good energy and loving information with the first person you meet, the second person, the people you love, your family, your partners, the people you work with, the people you don't even know, and just do it to the earth and everyone around you. That that's what you can do. I love it. I love it. Simon, thank you so much. Let me acknowledge you for the uh, amazing work that you've done and all the lives that you've touched. I mean, how many people would you um, guess that you've taught or impacted oh. when you when you look back? I don't know if you've ever done that. I, I did actually work it out once about 10 years ago, and it was already around half a million people who had wow. been to all my classes over the years. You know, that was that was very heartwarming to recognize that. And I think Many people, once you teach for like, I've been teaching for 40 years, you know, so it's, mm. it's, um, it doesn't take that long. It I accumulates. Guess. Yeah. Well, and those yeah. half a million people have got other families, you know, just building on what you were saying. So yeah, uh, even you, online stuff makes it even more, I guess, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I have one video online that's actually been watched for half a million times now, which, which is really, really nice to see. Actually, it's also shared on Facebook. So maybe it's been shared a million times and that, and that's actually very, very, very special, you know, mm. right. 
sometimes we're all a little bit down on ourselves and you know you you know i tend to be a bit self-critical sometimes and then because today's my father's birthday and, and I, dream, I woke up dreaming about both my parents this morning, which was really touching. I was actually very emotional. And I got in the shower and I thought, I wonder if my parents who have now both passed, you know, I thought, I wonder if they'd be proud of me. And I thought, well, I hope so. But maybe, I hope so. I mean, they love me. They'd always be proud of me. I'm always Absolutely. proud of you know? But, I'm you know, sure. it's, it's um, I think in the end, both my parents are the ones who taught me everything my father taught me how to breathe my mother taught me how to love and i thank them both and i think this is what all parents do to their kids they, they teach them this wonderful wisdom and you know it's uh, it's what we should share with everyone so thank you for this beautiful chance to share this information with it was you. I'm, I, I'm humbled i'm really humbled for all the last things you said i, I yeah thank you uh, very no, much. my pleasure and uh, and as i was saying you know let me acknowledge you for the the huge impact you've had and thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing uh, just a few things that you've uh, that you've learned over the years so thank you simon enjoy the rest of your day and uh, thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time Thanks, thank man. you very much love to you all